Are we okay? Because yeah. hey? I, I do feel we were a bit distracted. Is, are we okay? Are, are there things in life that are, we are struggling with? I'm sure we are. We do. There are, we do struggle with things. We are struggling with things. But I just really feel that we just need to lay it down. Okay. I really feel let's not let those distractions get a foothold in our lives to distract us further. Okay. Let's open our hearts. And yeah, it's, hopefully it's an encouraging word. I, I think it will be an encouraging word. And yeah, I want to start by who was here last weekend, last Sunday? Okay, there were, were a lot of people. There were about 200 people here last Sunday. Okay, and let's, let's take the rugby out of it, but there was a big banquet table out the back there. And it was a lot of food. And I think everybody that was here ate from that banquet. And, and how do we think that that actually got prepared? How did that all come together? Nobody had to pay to eat. I think everybody ate, probably mains. Dessert, I think Stefan had two desserts. Okay, there was a lot, there was a lot of food. And that all came together through people having serving hearts. There wasn't somebody that led the thing. There was maybe a couple of WhatsApp messages that went out and said, can you do this, can you do that? And came, people came, people laid the table, people, and there was a lot of food. Okay, and it's just such amazing, it's so beautiful to be part of a congregation that serves. So I want to commend you guys. Thanks for having serving hearts. Okay, because nobody, everybody had to wash dishes, but nobody had to wash dishes. Everybody had to clean the floor, but nobody had to clean the floor. Everybody had to tidy up, but nobody had to tidy up. Why? Because it comes from a place where we're serving. And when we're serving, we, we don't expect anything back. Okay, so it, it, it really was. And, and it got me thinking. It got me preparing for this word is how do, we, how, how, how do we get this out into the marketplace? How do we get this serving heart, this love of Jesus that we have out into the marketplace? Because remember in the marketplace, it's all about me, it's all about status, it's all about authority, it's all about what I can get out of it. So the marketplace is a difficult place to go to, and it got me preparing this. And I have three main points that I'd like to share. And the first one is serving and being a servant. Because like I said, it's not, it's not something that comes naturally to us. Serving doesn't come naturally to us. Doing something for somebody else with nothing in return doesn't come naturally to us. But I want to encourage you. The disciples, when they were living with Jesus physically, it didn't come naturally to them either. Okay, and I just want to start. I'm just going to go straight into Scripture. My arms have got two shorts. I have to wear these things nowadays. Okay. Mark 10, 35 to 45. So it is quite a lot of scripture. So just, you know, when I look there, I've got to take them off again. 
There is quite a lot of scripture, but just, just bear with me. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. And I, just, I just really want you to listen to these next couple of scriptures. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if you don't know by now that you need to serve, hopefully it's clear in that scripture. Okay, and I just want to give a bit of context on the scripture. Just the, the chapter just before this, Jesus had predicted his death for the third time. And the disciples were at a point where they thought God was going to, or Jesus was going to create a political kingdom. And Amongst a lot of the disciples, they, they were always vying for who's the best disciple, who's, you know, who would Jesus choose first. And James and John took it among, upon themselves to ask Jesus for a position of authority and status in what he, they thought he was going to make his political kingdom and in his administration. So even them, like I said earlier, they were walking with Jesus and they were still vying for status. Okay, so how much more, how much more difficult is, for, is it for us to stay away from that? But then Jesus asks them, he says, can you drink from the cup that I drink of and can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? And they say, yes, they can. And Jesus says to them, yes, you will be baptized and you will drink from the cup that I drink of. And James was martyred. He was the first disciple to be martyred. Okay, so in other words, Jesus is asking them, can you walk the walk that I've been walking? Can you make the sacrifices that I've sacrificed? Can you go through the suffering that I'm suffering? And they say, yes, they can. So Jesus says to them, yes, you will. So James was the first one to be martyred. And John was literally baptized in fire. So apparently they tried to take his life by dipping him in boiling oil. Okay, so, so, yes, they did. But then, for me, what's interesting is, Jesus says, the rulers of the time, they lord authority over you. So what it, said, what it means is, it's pretty much like any ruler, any political party, anything that happens these days is, the leaders lord over you. They force you to follow them. They, they push authority onto you. 
not through a leadership that you want to follow, not through serving you, but through lording it over you. And Jesus said to him, you cannot lord authority over people because that's what they were asking for. Well, not what they were asking for, but that's what they thought they could go into. And then, yeah, I just want to put up that scripture again, 43 to 45. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And to me, that's so, so Jesus was, he knew it was like his end. He was, he was getting to the end of his life. And it just feels to me like when you, let's imagine you're on your deathbed and you're getting to the end of your life and you want to speak to people you love. You're going to speak things that are profound. You're going to speak things that are heavy. You're going to speak things that you want a message to get across to those that you're leaving behind. So he's clearly, he's clearly saying to them that you need to be, if you want to be great, you must be the least. And if you want to lead people, you must serve them. And again, it's not something that comes naturally to us. We struggle to serve others. In the marketplace, we struggle to serve others. We want to do things for gain. But if we look at God's kingdom, status, money, and popularity are not the prerequisites for leadership. Humble service is the only prerequisite for kingdom leadership. And if James and John struggled with it, we should be struggling with it even more. So the question I have is, how can we go about struggling less with that? How can we become better servants? How can it be our default setting that we serve people? That brings me to the title of my preach. Okay. Building relationships with a servant heart in the marketplace. Building relationships with a servant heart in the marketplace. Okay, and it brings to my second point. So first point is we need to be servants. The second point is we need to work hard. We are called to work hard. You might say to me, Ben, but where, where, how, what? So let's look at what it, it is like in Scripture. 2 Thessalonians 3. 6 verse 19. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you. So this is Paul speaking. We command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you have received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We are not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. Is that it? Okay, so if we can just go on to the next, the next one. So I know I did say to nine, but I think it's gone to... Verse 10, I don't think it's here. Okay, 
we did this not because we didn't want to be a burden to any. We did this not because we did not have the right to such help, but in order of ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and to earn the food they eat. Okay, so, so this message is clearly that we need to work. Okay, and, and why do we need to work? So that we can earn our keep. Okay, so that we can pay our way. And then also that we're not a burden to others. And, and what's interesting in that scripture, it says it's not because we didn't need your help. So sometimes we need help. Okay, but sometimes we look for help when actually maybe we're just idle. And idle is a strong word, but, but it's clear. We need to work. We need to pay our way. Okay. So we can be examples to others. And, and I want to go into work. I want to go into work because, you know, some people yeah, might not have a job. Some people might have a job and they don't enjoy it. Some people might have a job and they enjoy it and they actually take it for granted. But, but if we go through this room, there's, there's definitely a variety of all of the above. And, and somebody might say, but we need, I'm waiting on God, or have faith, and let's wait what God does. But I also want to encourage you that, that we got to, if we have faith, we also got to work. Faith without works is dead. Scripture says faith without works is dead. You know, so, so because we have faith in God, God's already done his bit. The fact that we've had the faith in God, that's what God wants. God wants us to have the faith, but we've got to do the works. Okay, so we've got to work. We've got to invest in people. We've got to do the work. If you don't have a job, have you put your CV together? Have you reached out to people? Or are you just standing there? Or are you just sitting back and saying, Lord, I'm waiting on you? Because if you're sitting back and you're just waiting on the Lord, that's faith. And yes, the Lord is faithful, but faith without works is dead. So we've got to bring our part. We've got to bring our part so that God can show that he's faithful. Okay, and I bring this to my own work. Um, people come to me, or maybe somebody in my team, I chat to them and I talk to them about, like, what do you want to do with your life? And not in a bad way, it's like, Career counseling. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go and laugh? Do you want to, you know, what is it that you want to do? And it, some people don't have the answer because maybe they haven't been exposed to stuff. They haven't been exposed to something that resonates with them, that they can actually step into and make a career out of. But the one thing I encourage them to do is to work hard. Because if you can learn to work hard, it doesn't matter which career you're going to, you're going to need that work ethic. 
Hey, so that one day when you maybe decide to whatever you want to do, and you find something that you like doing, you've already built the work ethic. You've already learned how to work hard. And I'm not saying you need to work hard physically. We need to work hard relation-wise. We need to work hard in growing ourselves. We need to work hard in getting better at what we do. We need to work hard in all areas of our lives. Okay, because when you work hard, we attract people that work hard. If we're idle, we attract people that are idle. If you're going to go sit and watch soap operas or play PlayStation on the couch, you know what? You're going to attract people that play PlayStation, and you're going to attract people that do soap operas. But if you work hard, you're going to attract people that work hard. And they're going to open doors for you, and you're going to attract people that want to have relationships with you. And through relationships, you're going to maybe have doors opened. And that's how the kingdom works. So I want to encourage you, go and work hard. The best university you can graduate from is the university of hard work because hard work opens doors and builds relationships that grow us in as, as individuals. Okay. Because also, when you work hard, you build capacity, you build competence, you build all those things that are going to open doors for you. And you're going to build relationships. Okay, you're also going to build relationships with when you're idle, but maybe those are the wrong relationships. Okay, and then the third, the third point I want to get to is, is relationships. And I don't want to go to scripture on relationships because the Bible is full. Sorry. The Bible is full of scripture, okay, of, about relationships. When God made Adam, the first thing he says, man cannot be alone. He needs a helper. Okay, that's the first thing God says. We need help. Okay, we're one person. We're the first person on earth, and God says you need help. Okay, so if we need help, what does that mean? We need relationships. Because if we don't have relationships, how can anybody help us? Or how can we help people? Okay, there's also... Sorry, let me just go. also a scripture in 1 John. We are told to love one another as I have loved you. Hey, how, can I how can I love somebody if I don't know them? How can we love somebody if we don't know them? Hey, maybe maybe I'm, I know I'm told to love everybody, but you know, if I don't know you, I don't actually know how to love you. Hey, so we've got to have a relationship with people if we actually want to love them. Okay, and part of Josh Jen's values, we're all about relationships. Okay, we're all about fellowship. We're all about living in each other's lives. We're all about spending time together. Okay, we're all about that. So all over Scripture, you can see that it, everything is about relationships. God has made us to be used by people. 
or to speak into people's lives. Uh, and it's difficult. It's difficult to make relationships. You need courage. Okay, so you need courage to go and build a relationship. Okay, we're often so unsure of ourselves and what we want in life that we have no need to include others in our lives. Okay, so... Maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you are introverted. Okay, but I want to tell you this. That whole thing of, I'm okay on my own, I'm too introverted, or I can do it all on my own, is delusional. Okay, there are many people who played a divine, divine role in your life. Okay, well, well, think about it. What, what people have been on your path? Hey, maybe you've had a difficult upbringing. Maybe you've had a tough life. But which people have been on your path? Somebody has spoken into your life. Maybe it's your mother. Maybe it's your father. Maybe it's your brother, your sister, or your spiritual brother or sister. Maybe it's a teacher. Somebody's spoken into your life. Somebody has got you to where you are now. It might have been tough. The path might have, not have been easy. But you didn't do it on your own. You did not do it on your own. There were people in your life. And you know what? The people that made you stumble were probably building character in you. Okay. So maybe it's time to recognize those people. Maybe it's time to think about, like, who has played a role in my life to get me where I am now? Who in this church has played a role in my life to get me to where I am now? And maybe it's time that we show gratitude and go to those people and reach out to them and tell them what an impact they've had on our lives. Okay, because you know what gratitude does? When you're consistently grateful, people want to, will want to be around you more. People have a need to be appreciated and they feel value when you consistently thank them for the big and small things they do for you. And again, I want you to listen to this. With gratitude, you will be changed. You'll be a kinder, humbler, and a happier person. Gratitude attracts abundance. It shifts a heart posture that will make you more joyful and pleasurable. It makes you more helpful, generous, and compassionate, more forgiving and outgoing, and you'll feel less lonely and isolated. If you make other people's lives better, you create value for yourself and you feel better about yourself. It sounds scriptural, eh? <laughs> because it is scriptural. There's no, ways, there's no way we can look about, go about it. We can, we can look at it whichever way we want, but we need people in our lives. And we need to build relationships. Relationships are how you transform as a person. Relationships are how you transcend your current limitations. Relationships, particularly with God, is the purpose of life. Okay, and I want to just go to the worldly things, what they say about relationships. And it's amazing that these worldly things, if you actually trace them back, it, it's, it's just biblical stuff. Okay. Research shows, research shows, Relationships and not your willpower is what helps you overcome things like trauma and addiction. 
John Hardy stated, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's human connection. It's amazing. Hey? All those things are fleshly, worldly things, but they can be fixed by godly ways. The only way they can be fixed by godly ways is by godly ways. We need to stop relying on our own ability and rather look to become more effective through godly relationships. If you want to walk in God's purpose for your life, you need spouses, teachers, mentors, friends to help you. Okay. And I want to maybe just how do we get this right in the workplace, in the marketplace? Because the marketplace is, where, for those that don't know, the marketplace is where we live our day-to-day -day lives. Maybe it's at your job. Maybe it's at your school. Maybe it's at university. It doesn't matter. It's where you live your day-to-day -day life. And, and it's tough. Being a Christian in the marketplace is tough. Okay. Because again, the struggles are real and people are vying for position. But the first thing you need to do is take yourself seriously. Okay. Take yourself seriously. Stop comparing yourself to other people and start comparing yourself to yourself. Because <laughs> why what would you want to question the unique ability that God has given you? And that's what we do when we compare ourselves to somebody else. Remember, God's given you a gift. If we think we're better than the other person, I just want to remind you, you're not. The only thing is you have a different gift. So let's stop trying to be that person. Let's stop trying to be better than them. Let's stop trying to have their job or work their things or get their salary or have their car. Because then you're vying for position, you're vying for status. And we've seen where that gets us. Instead, Let's ask what, we, what value we can be to our colleagues, or what value we can be to our bosses. How can we add value to their lives? Instead of having what they want, how can we add value so that they can be better than they are? Because that's a serving heart. That's being less so that you can be more. And as soon as you adopt that posture, as soon as you adopt that, doors will open for you. Yeah, because if I build so that someone else can be better, they can only be worldly for that long. Because they'll see the light in you. And other people around you will see it in you. And again, doors will open and people will be attracted to you because they will ask you for help. Because you do things selflessly. Okay. We need to rather ask what is in it for them and not what is in it for me. What's in it for me becomes a transactional mindset, and you'll only end up connecting with people that are like-minded. And what will happen is if you keep on asking what's in it for me, you'll end up drawing everything you can out of that, and then when that's finished, you'll go to the next thing. And it's actually a selfish outlook. 
We need to understand the serving heart of Jesus. We need to be committed to serving and growth and not to what we can get out of it. By coincidence, God will give you more, open better opportunities, and bless you more if you serve others. Yeah, so and we have a lot of young people in this congregation. <laughs> and it's difficult. Jobs are few. Jobs are slow paying or little paying. But go, go and serve. Go and do your work for God. I tell my team, don't work, don't work for me. Because I'm going to disappoint you. If you work hard, if you work hard and you say, this, I, want, I hope Ben sees this, I hope Ben sees this. I put in so much effort into this thing, I hope he sees it. You know what? What happens if I don't see it? Then you take offense. Maybe I'm busy with something else. And I don't recognize the work that you've done. So you take offense. So what do you do? Oh, I'm not going to do that again. Ben didn't even see what I did. He didn't even recognize what I did. He didn't even appreciate what I did. But if you do it for God, God made you, so he already appreciates you. You can't disappoint God. And then you will keep working hard. Okay, your work ethic won't deteriorate because you want affirmation for people. And I'm not saying don't affirm people and don't appreciate things that are done, but be, work from a posture where you're doing it for God and not for anybody else. And then those for us that own businesses or manage people. Now often, yeah, that's difficult. It's difficult to have your own business. There's pros and cons like there is anything. And it's difficult to manage people. The challenge of a servant leadership is balancing the selflessness, selflessness of servanthood with the forthright management required of leaders. You're called to serve those who you supervise. This means you have to deal with this responsibility to tell them if they're not measuring up. Even Jesus served others. He actively addressed problems with his followers when they occurred. Okay, so, so you need to hold people responsible. But if you, hold, if you do it in a serving heart, if you do it from a position of serving then it's easy to hold people responsible. I always tell my team, never ever put me in a position that I have to make a decision that I don't want to because it's actually selfish from your side. Okay. And then, yeah, people work for you not because they are beneath you, but because they believe in you. You become an important person in their life, giving them a vision to be part of. It's a way for them to provide for themselves and their families and a way to build competence and confidence. The more people you are this person for, the more you will be blessed. Sorry, I just... I just want to share something that 
based on that good that God did in our lives. We got to a point in our business where we thought, yo, this is enough. It's so difficult. And we went away and we spent a bit of time with God. And God had this word for us. He said, stop using people to make money for you. Instead, use your resources to make people. And that maybe doesn't make sense, but it does to me. Because if you build people, if we build people's competence, if we build people's values, if we build all those things in people, they naturally do better work for you. Your business will look after itself. So stop using people, business owners or managers, stop pe using people to reach your targets. Stop be using people to make money for you. But take your money and use it to build people. Because when you build people, your business and all the rest will look after itself. God will also look after you. And I want to land on this. And I've said it already, but I just feel that it's, it, it's just so beautiful. I want to encourage you. Go and make relationships so that you can serve people so that they can be grateful. Why? Because with gratitude, you will be changed. You'll be kinder, humbler, and a happier person. Gratitude attracts abundance. It shifts a heart posture that makes that will make you more joyful and pleasurable. It makes you more helpful, generous, and compassionate, more forgiving and outgoing, and you will feel less lonely and isolated. And those things are true. Those things are true. Okay, I want to encourage you, go and, go and be grateful to those people that have walked a journey in your life that have impacted your life. Go and build relationships so that you can be somebody to somebody. Go and build relationships so that they can grow competence in you, so that you can have iron sharpening iron. I'm not saying building relationships is going to be easy. It's going to be stretching. But when we do them well, when we build them biblically, it will open doors for us.